Hello everyone and welcome back to the Popcorn Chronicles. Today's topic is a little bit of a two-parter because I'd like to say it's about my favorite movie based from a board game and also my favorite movie based on a book that became a board game. I'm going to share some information and trivia that you might find interesting about my personal favorite board game movie, which is 1985's Clue. And I actually just found out today in my research for this episode that there's a documentary about Clue the movie. So I'll be sure to watch that and include that on a later episode about documentaries. Clue is the first movie based on a board game. Parker Brothers released the famous board game Clue in 1949. Because of the fact that Clue is from 1985 and it's also considered sort of a cult classic, it would be kind of fun for a new crowd to discover because there are probably a great number of people that didn't even have any clue, no pun intended, that this movie existed. The board game includes nine rooms, nine weapons, and six suspects. So as I mentioned, Clue was released in 1985. It was rated PG, and it had a runtime of about an hour and a half. So this is one of those movies that goes into my rate list as a 5 out of 5. It's one of my favorite movies because it's still fun every time I watch it. So it's one of those that the first time I watched it versus watching it a couple of weeks ago, it's still just as funny as it was the first time. And it's still just as funny as I think it was when it was created in 1985. And it's not one of those that's aged badly in terms of the humor used in the film. Another one of the main things I absolutely love about this movie is sometimes when you have a preconceived notion from a video game that you have played a hundred times, a book you've read many times, or just something that you feel in your head of how the movie is supposed to be and what it's supposed to look like, it can be really difficult when the movie doesn't live up to that. This is not the case with Clue. When I watched this movie for the first time, I had a very preconceived notion about what the old mansion should look like what the characters would be like with all their mystery and nuance and intrigue, and it didn't disappoint. It was exactly how I pictured it before I saw the film. So, it's a murder mystery set in a creepy old mansion. The board game has six suspects, so there's also six main suspects in the film. There's also a couple of other small supporting characters, but my absolute favorite character that's included in the film that was not in the board game is the butler. The butler's name is Wadsworth, and he's played by Tim Curry. So the movie premise is pretty much like the board game. The guests arrive at the mansion, there's been a murder, and they have to figure out who did it, with what weapon, and in what room. So for this one, that's all the plot you get. Don't want to spoil it. Something else I really love about this movie is the ending was very unique. So it was actually shot with three different alternate endings. And in the theater, three different alternate endings were shown in different viewings. Sometimes it would be in the newspaper announcing which viewing was going to be shown in which town, which I also thought was kind of cool. I don't recall that ever happening any other time in history with multiple different versions of an ending being broadcasted in different theaters. The DVD is like this as well. You can choose to watch one of the alternate endings at random, or you can choose to watch all three in a sequence. And I will admit I did both, and I really like the three-in-one sequence because it sort of feels like the story was supposed to end that way. And because you can view the alternate versions or the three-in-one version on the DVD, for this movie, I would recommend the DVD. But if you don't have a DVD player or that's not an option or you can't find a copy of it, it is available on Fubo TV with subscription as well as Paramount+. Plus. So next, we're going to talk about Jumanji. So Jumanji is a great example of something that can start from one source material and kind of end up in four or five different places. 
Jumanji was written as a book in 1981 by Chris Van Allsburg, and the word Jumanji is Zulu for many effects. It became a film in 1995. Jumanji is rated PG, and it has a runtime of an hour and 45 minutes. So because the premise of Jumanji is the characters playing a board game, it's not surprising that Milton Bradley came out with an edition of the Jumanji board game that people could actually play in 1996. And I remember wanting that board game so bad. I did, of course, buy it later as an adult, mostly so I could say, in the jungle you must wait until the dice read five or eight. One of the things that's really fun in any adventure-style movie is the establishment of lore. And when I say lore, I mean curses, fairy tales, stories that have been passed down from generation to generation. And that's something that the 1995 Jumanji is filled with, is the establishment of all that backstory that kind of makes you wonder what really happened. The movie starts with credits flashing 1869. We see two boys who are burying something in the ground, talking about they have to get away from it. But then it flashes forward to 100 years later, where we establish that it's now 1969. The movie is set in New Hampshire, and the main character is Alan Parrish. We see that Alan's kind of a loner, and he only has one real friend, and that's Sarah from down the street. At a construction site near his father's shoe factory, he starts hearing drums. He starts wandering around, wondering where the noise is coming from. And it's coming from the board game that's buried in the dirt. So he digs it out and takes it home. But he doesn't get along with his parents very well, and he gets in a big fight with his dad. So he packs his bag, and he's all ready to run away from home when his friend Sarah comes and knocks at the door. And she hears the drums, too. So the two of them are curious. A game for those who seek to find so Alan asks Sarah, you want to play? And she tells him, I stopped playing board games five years ago. But when she drops the dice, the tokens automatically start moving. So the game begins anyway, whether they're ready or not. But they quickly figure out, this is not your average board game. The curse, as they're called, or the effects of the game, appear in the dial in the middle of the game board. So whatever's going to happen next is foreshadowed in the circular dial that's green and black in the middle of the game board. And when the words scrawl across that, then you know what's going to happen. So then we see that in the jungle, you must wait till the dice read five or eight. Scrawl across the dial. So Sarah starts screaming because Alan starts disappearing. I remember my cousins telling me about this when I was like seven or eight and the movie had come out. And I was thinking, what the heck are they talking about? This kid gets sucked into the game. But that's literally what happened. He gets sucked into the board game and disappears. So Sarah runs out of the house screaming and slams the front door. And I like that the transition in the next scene is the weathering of the door. So you see it in 1969, and then you see it 26 years later, and it's really weathered and old. And a new family has moved into the house with two children named Peter and Judy. And one day, Peter and Judy find Jumanji in the attic, and they begin their own game. So with Peter and Judy playing the game, a five or an eight is rolled, and then Alan is finally freed from the jungle. And that's where the story picks up with Robin Williams as an adult Alan Parrish. So for the duration of the film, we have an adult Alan Parrish as Robin Williams. So now the three of them are set out to finish this epic game of Jumanji, but they realize they can't without Sarah Whittle. So then they have to track down Sarah, and the four of them have to finish the game. It's got great action and adventure, and over the next hour, we see a series of African animals show up from the effects of the game. So at every roll of the dice... The player's turn could result in deadly mosquitoes, a giant lion, or two crocodiles brought in by monsoon. So you have this great, exciting action and adventure film, but one of the things that really helps build the suspense is the music. Jumanji's score was written by James Horner, somebody I'll definitely mention again because he's one of my absolute favorite film composers. 
And I know most people don't follow film composers the way that I do, so what you might know James Horner from is most famously Titanic, also Braveheart, and most recently the music for Avatar. With our four characters, Judy and Peter and Sarah and Alan, how does the film end? What happens to the effects and all of the animals that came out of the game? So spoiler alert for those who have not seen, the game resets. It takes us back to 1969, where Alan and Sarah are sitting in Alan's living room. After everything is reset to 1969, Alan and Sarah are kids again, and they throw the game into the river. So I think the intent here with the 1995 film was always to have a sequel, but unfortunately due to timing and other issues, it didn't pan out that way. The last scene sets us up really well to have a sequel, which is two kids walking on the beach and the game is half sticking out of the sand. And while there's elements of Welcome to the Jungle that I don't necessarily think are the best that they could have been, I really do appreciate that the beginning of the film starts out exactly where the 1995 film left off. And that is we see a bunch of people running and walking on the beach and there's the game sticking out of the sand. So we see a character pull it out of the sand and take it home. We see a teenager take out the box and say, who even plays board games anymore? And then he sets it up on his shelf. In the night, the drums start playing and he opens the box and discovers a video game cartridge. So the game has evolved. And that's actually what the tagline for the film was, which I thought was pretty clever. The game has evolved. So now it's a video game. We see a big flash of green light. And then similar to Alan Parrish, that character disappears. We don't really know much or learn much about his character until later into the movie. But that's where it starts. Now the cast is led by four high school students of Brantford, New Hampshire High School. So we're introduced to this cast that's going to lead up the new generation as high school students that simultaneously end up in detention together. In the beginning, the high school students are played by four relatively unknown actors. Then once they get transported into the game and into the jungle, they're only represented by their video game character. And the video game characters that represent the four teenagers are Jack Black, the Rock, Kevin Hart, and Karen Gillan. I liked that with an updated story, they had updated technology, so they made it into a video game instead, and they transported the characters to the jungle instead. And I remember thinking if they had made the original Jumanji 20 years later, how impressive it could have been with the updated technology. And I didn't get that feeling when watching Welcome to the Jungle. And I really wasn't as impressed with how they chose to use what they had. So some of the suspense was lost because you're not reading these ominous curses in the dial in the middle of the game board. Some of that kind of stuff was lost in translation. I think it's pretty rare when any sequel or reboot is as good as the original, so it's not too surprising that this one doesn't really come close to the greatness of the first one. But I would say the only other real complaint I have with it is the overreaching humor. It tries a little bit too hard to be funny. And honestly, I kind of blame that on Kevin Hart and The Rock because they both have a tendency to do that. And one of the things that I sometimes think that sequels or prequels or reboots or anything that comes after an original are really guilty of is playing up that nostalgia. Because I don't think that this one by itself is a truly great film. It's just okay. But I do admit that I have sort of a guilty pleasure of watching it because of the connection to the first film. And a couple other random Jumanji facts before we go. In 2022, Italy opened a Jumanji-themed dark ride. And I don't know about you, but that sounds like a blast. I would love to go on that. The 1995 Jumanji was supposed to have a sequel, and it was supposed to have a release of Christmas 2000, but when the director dropped out, it got pushed back, and it didn't get picked back up for any talks of production until 2010. And obviously by then, it was a completely different story. And I don't know about you, but I would have really liked to see a sequel to the original Robin Williams film. So I guess it'll just have to be one of those that gets classified under 
top five movies I wish I could have seen and would have gotten made, but got canceled. And that's something I'll return to in a future episode. For those who love audiobooks, or just love Robin Williams, he actually recorded a special audiobook recording for the 30th year of the book's release in 2011. So the 1995 Jumanji and Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle can be found on Hulu or on FUBU TV with subscription. Welcome to the Jungle had a sequel called Jumanji The Next Level, and that's available on Stars. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this week's popcorn.